Happy Mother's Day, everybody. I am so happy to be here with you today and really excited about this next installment of the series we're in, which is called Family Camp, where we're learning all about relationships in families and outside of families, how those work, what we can do to make them look better. And so today, I'm going to be sharing with you a few things that I've learned in the journey of being a mom. Now, Carrie and I have been married for almost 35 years. We have four kids and all four of them are married now. And so we are getting to see parenthood again through the eyes of our kids as they raise their own children. And it's been a great journey, but there's so much that we still have to learn. We've learned a couple things along the way, and that's what I want to share with you. Now, I love this station wagon right here with me because I'm proud to say that it's much like the wood-sided station wagon that I had in my family growing up. We really did have a wood-sided station wagon. And so I would go on family trips with my parents, my sisters, my grandma, my grandpa, and we all took a family trip, an especially memorable one, to Wisconsin. And so I remember that I got to sit in the middle of the front bench seat because that's how all the seats were then. So one big bench, I was in the middle. Dad was driving, Grandpa on the other side, both of them chain smoking the whole way there <laughs> because, as I said, it was a different time. And the windows were rolled down, you know, just an inch or so. And I had a big map spread out in my lap almost the entire time because in the olden days, you actually had to look at a map to see which way to go if you're heading into uncharted territory. And so the map was always in my lap. I could never get it folded up the right way again. It was just always a struggle. You know, I'd be trying to do it and my dad would be like, I can't see. And we used all the stuff back then. There was a styrofoam cooler in the back seat. How we had room for that with mom, dad, grandma, grandpa, the two sisters, I don't know, but we did, you know, with the sandwiches in it. It was a true family vacation. Now, when we go on a road trip with the family, it looks a lot different because now there's some great things that make it a whole lot easier. One thing is everybody has their own entertainment. You know, everybody's just happily involved in whatever it is that they're reading or doing right in front of them. And we use GPS, there's never a question about where to turn. And my favorite update of all from the olden days is that now I look at reviews before I go. You don't have to wait and figure it all out on your own once you get there. No, if you're going somewhere, you just pull up the reviews and rely on the experience of people who have already been down the path that you're going. And so you just look up the reviews, and I found that the very best reviews aren't necessarily the good ones or the bad ones, they're the honest ones. They're not the ones that have everything was wonderful or everything was horrible. No, they're just give an honest review of, hey, I've been there and here's the deal. I love reading on those about what to pack because I hate showing up somewhere and finding out I dragged a whole bunch of weight around in my suitcase that I didn't need. I equally hate getting somewhere and finding out I do not have what I needed. It's back at home. 
And so I rely on reviews a lot. Now, this is church, so I'm going to be honest. I'm a horrible person because although I use reviews extensively, I almost never write them. And I rely on everybody else's experience to help me have a good experience. So I'm hoping to make up for that today by filling you in on my review on motherhood, the stuff I wish someone had told me before I started out on this journey. Because Carrie and I have certainly had our share of mistakes. And so I share this stuff with you, not as someone who did it all right, but as someone who's been there, who's been down the path, and hopefully you can learn from some of the stuff that really surprised me along the way. So that's what we're gonna look at. And so if you would stand in honor of God's word, we're going to read Romans 12, verses one and two, which is our key passage for today. And if you will just read along with me, that would be great. So here's what I want you to do, God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are the perfect parent, so we don't have to be. Thank you that you give us direction for every part of our lives. And we ask that right now you'd open your word, open our hearts and our ears to see what it is you want to teach us so that we can become more like you. In your name we pray, amen. You can be seated. Now I want to make sure we're all clear on one point, and that is that you don't have to be a mother who's given birth to a child to actually mother people in your life. A mother is not defined by the fact of giving birth. There's a lot of ways you can end up in this position. You may have adopted a child. You may be fostering a child. You may have married someone who has children. And maybe you're single. Maybe you don't have children. You're married and don't have children. There are plenty of opportunities for you to find places that you can speak into the life of someone coming up in a generation behind you. You could be involved in our student ministry, children's ministry, pre preschool, but being a mom is not defined by just giving birth. So this applies across the board to so many people. Now, we're going to look at what we can safely leave behind on this journey and what we really need to pack in to make sure we have a good experience. And the first thing is that we need to make sure that we pack in small traditions, adding in a lot of small traditions. And to make room for this in our suitcase, the thing we're gonna get rid of, or take up a lot less room, are big occasions. So pack more small traditions and less big occasions. Now, this may have been obvious to some of you, but I'll be honest, I got the big things and the small things really mixed up along the way. 
I thought the big things were the birthday parties, the graduations, the holidays, the vacations, the times when everybody gathered together and everything told me, alert, alert, this is a big event, get ready for it. And now celebrations are great things. I love to celebrate. I love to enjoy it when there's something to celebrate. But I thought those were the big things. And it turns out they're not. It turns out that all the small things are actually the big things. All those things that I thought were big occasions were actually just momentary celebrations to mark the accumulation of hundreds or thousands of small moments where the big stuff actually took place. And so what that looks like for me now is that instead of waiting to celebrate and get a giant cake and do all the stuff when my child graduates from high school, it's like, sure, do that, but don't stress over it because really that battle was won in all the small moments. I would go Now, I'd look back and say, you know what? Take cookies up to your kid when he's studying at 11.30 at night. You know, make him some cookies and say, hey, I'm really proud of you for sticking with it, for hanging in there. Celebrate those small moments of victory along the way. Don't wait for the big stuff to come along when it looks like it's important. Just enjoy those everyday moments. Deuteronomy 6, 6, and 7 puts it this way. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road, when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. And so these everyday moments at home, when you go to bed, you're on the road, when you wake up, that's saying that those big things are actually the everyday and that's the only way to put the big stuff in your kid's life. The big stuff actually happens when our clothes are rumpled and our hair's sticking up, when you have coffee breath. Those are the times the big moments are really going on. So just be alert for them and have your celebration. Just know it's not the big thing. Have your vacation, but know that real life is happening in the other 51 weeks of the year. Don't always be waiting for the next big thing or you'll miss all the truly great stuff. So we're putting all these small family traditions into our lives then, putting in things like bedtime stories. Don't wait till you have some great story with shadow puppets for your kids. Just tell them a silly two-minute story every night. Let that just be routine. Where No, there's just a connection time there together. Don't wait until you can make your table look perfect and you have the perfect flowers and runner and you did all the stuff right and you have sprigs of herbs on top of the main course, just if you need to have frozen pizza and boxed mac and cheese around the table, great, do that a few days a week. It's so much better than waiting for what seems like a good, important thing. Just keep doing those small things. And then also to pack these small things in, I would give you a great tip, a secret here be the fun house. Be the fun house. In every group of friends, there's somebody's house that they end up at. Be that one. Be that one. And there's great news for you. You'll have no competition. Everybody's happy for the kids to show up somewhere else. But you have this great opportunity to see your kids in their natural habitat. 
you know, working, working, interacting with their friends, playing video games, whatever it is, but just by hanging out with them like that, you will learn more and get to know more about your kid's life than you could in hours and hours of just saying, well, tell me about this person. Tell me about this one. No, just watch. It's so much easier. And then look for that in every stage of your life. Look for kids who are a little younger than you or a lot younger than you, where you can speak into their lives. And so for Carrie and I, now that all of our kids are grown, we still like to hang out with students just to know it keeps your head in the game, to know what's going on. The last couple Sunday nights, the seniors in our student mini, the high school seniors, have come over to our house and just hung out. You know, we had hot dogs and chips, and, and it gets a little bit crazy, but that's okay. It's worth it. So I encourage you to be that fun house. And then another small thing you can do is just that regularity of discipline, of just, you do this, this is what happens every single time. You don't have to wonder if you'll get away with it this time because that boundary's there and you can feel secure. I'd always tell my kids, it's okay, just push on that boundary. You'll find it's there. You'll feel secure, just try it. And just that regularity helps kids because they need to know how the path works. They need to know, here's the edge and it's gonna be tough if you cross this line. God designed it this way, I didn't. God designed us to be in families. He could have created us all to be uh, adults to start with, but he created us as families. He created us so that we move along through time and there's always someone who's not as far along the path as we've been and someone ahead. Your kids are your disciples. They are the ones, if you want, have always wanted to be an influencer, there's great news, you are. If you're a parent, you are an influencer. You get to influence. And so I encourage you to own that high call to be your parent's child. God chose you to be specifically your child's parent. And so although you may get some good advice or ideas from books or blogs, just know that God will speak into your heart exactly what's needed for your child. So really, own your instincts more. I wish I would have done that. And stop trying to be perfect. You just don't have to be perfect. And that leads us to our next point, which is we're going to pack more togetherness, pack more togetherness, and we're gonna put that in here, and we are going to get rid of perfection because that's just not gonna happen. We are really eager to act like things are perfect. And there's a good reason for that, because if we admit that we're kind of messed up, that we're struggling, that our family's struggling, then that means we have to face it and deal with some messy conversations. And so, let's let go of being perfect and be willing to be awkward. Just be willing to do that. In 1 Peter 4.8, the Bible tells us, most of all, love each other as if your life depended on it. Love makes up for practically anything. So the reason that we need something to make up for practically anything is because we come up with practically every way to hurt each other. And so we need that in our lives. We need to rely on that love of God and his grace. So be willing to be awkward. Welcome those hard conversations. If we're really going to do real life within our families, 
it's going to require a lot of awkwardness. And at every stage, it stays awkward. But you just keep doing it anyway. There's always new topics, new things to talk about, new situations. Be willing to be awkward and be honest about your own struggles. Say, hey, you know what? I faced something similar when I was your age, and I really blew it. It hurt me in this way, in this way, in this way. This is what happened. And I want you to know, because, hey, I don't want to see you go down the same path. As parents, it's so easy to want to cover up the mistakes we've made. We think if we aren't perfect, that we will lose all credibility with our kids, that we'll lose the high ground for uh, telling them what ought to be done. But kids have a really sensitive truth meter, and they know when we're being honest. And I have found over and over and over again that if we risk being awkward with our kids, that they rise to the challenge, and they actually appreciate being valued enough that we are willing to be awkward with them and admit that we've messed up. Because Carrie and I have had plenty of failures, plenty of them. And so it's just a matter of will we admit them or not. And it's easier now to feel like you're failing than ever before. I mean, as a mom, there is always someone that you see, open your phone, there's somebody doing a better job than you. You know, oh, they, you know, look at this, this woman, she just packed the perfect lunch for her child. Look at that. You know, the, the, the little sandwich was were cut out like dinosaurs, and there were, there were raisins for the eyes and little toothpicks and... The vegetables were actually like little julienne things that were made into shapes and trees. And then you think, I just sent my kid off with peanut butter and jelly with the heel of the bread. And, you know, they're going to be the laughing stock of the whole lunch table now. I mean, and you think, what, what hits us is we think failure. You know, it's like somebody just stamped failure on you. You look at someone who has the perfect you know, living room and everything's all put together and you think, failure when you look up and you see it looks like a bomb went off in your own living room. You get ready to give your family the, that frozen pizza and yet someone has just posted a fabulous meal. And, and you think, what in the world? You know, how does she do it? I'm a failure. And over and over and over again, we see that someone just, somebody just got a promotion. Somebody just added an extra degree. Somebody just did something that I have not done and therefore I'm a failure. And that's the lie that we believe over and over and over again. But that isn't truth. And if we just step back just the tiniest bit, we can see that what we're really looking at is just a slice of somebody else's life. You just see this little best slice that they chose. They took 20 pictures to get that one you saw. And you didn't see the rest of their life. You don't know that these relationships are falling apart, that all these other sides of their life are ones they're really struggling in. And the reason that we do that is because all of us are insecure. We have all failed in so many ways. We know it, but we think that just because we have actually honestly made mistakes, that when we look and compare ourselves to everybody else, we think that means I am a failure. Not that I have failed or made mistakes on occasion, but that I as a person am a failure. And so moms, I want you to know today that is a lie. You are worth it. You are doing a great job. 
God chose you. He didn't want somebody who could do all those things on the outside. See, what happens is we are wholly unprepared to be moms because all our lives we're taught to perform. We make good grades. You know, we get jobs and, and we try to do a good job. We do all those things, but we're always getting rated on that. You get a grade on a report card. You might get, a, get a job review. There are ways that you know if you're doing a good job. But when you're a mom, suddenly you can do great. You can honestly do great all day and no one tells you that. There's no grade, there's no award, there's no recognition. There, nobody knows. Nobody knows that you built kindness into your child. Nobody knows the time you took to explain something you know, for the 14th time to a three-year-old. Nobody knows that stuff. And since we don't get a grade, we feel like a failure. It's like, somebody tell me I'm doing a good job. That's because things that are unseen are the important ones. And because they're unseen, you really can't grade them. You can't rate them. Things that are seen are not the big things, and those are the things that you get grades on. And so, moms, I want you to know today, you're doing a great job. Gold star. Just know that God's shining his light of approval on you because he sees all the stuff that you do in secret. He sees all the wet knotted shoelaces that you untie. He knows, he knows how hard you work at it and how you're pouring your heart out and he will honor you for that. He will reward you. He's the one who will, who will pay back to you in full someday. But it won't be, if you're a preschool mom, it won't be any day soon. Manage your expectations. But he will, he will reward you. That day is coming and you're, you are doing a great job. So. If we want to look, let this next generation know what it looks like to be a follower of Christ, then we're gonna have to start imitating him ourselves. We're gonna have to start admitting our weaknesses. We're gonna have to start saying, you know, I blew it. Hey, I made a mistake here, I'm sorry. You know, but if we feel like failures, how much more do you think our kids are getting that message? And so if, if we have any chance of speaking truth into them, we're going to have to own that truth ourselves and redefine what success really is, and what, what really is important, and lead by example. And then the next thing we need to do is pack more questions, put more questions in, and to make room for the questions, we're going to have less assumptions, make less assumptions. Now, we assume we know what our kids are thinking. We assume we know what they're doing. We assume so much. I know I did. I wish I would have asked more questions. If I could go back, I would ask so many more questions because I really didn't know. I didn't know. And I would have known so much more had I only stopped and asked. So I wish someone had told me, throw out what you think Ask, find out for real. And let me tell you something here. A great place to listen is in the car. Hey, carpool is awesome for this. Sorry, kids, but I'm letting everyone in on this. Carpool, you just drive and kids forget you're there. 
They just totally forget. At first, they're all, oh, hi, you know, and, they, and they're on their best behavior, but then they start talking to each other, and if you will just close your mouth and keep it closed, you'll learn so much. And so, you know, make use of what God gives you. You're driving kids around, great. Just listen, just listen for that. And then pray with your kids about everything. Go ahead and pray with them. Pray with them about the stuff that matters to them. And you won't know what that is unless you ask. So ask about it. And when you pray, risk letting them see God come through. Now, this was huge for me. And many of you may not get this because you'll think, oh yeah, but you're a you know, it's pastor's family. Yeah, I mean, okay, yeah, you prayed with your family. No, asking them what's important to them and they'll tell you the littlest things and then pray about that and let them see God come through. Now, when our kids were growing up, they wanted a dog so badly. And for years, they wanted a dog. But with four kids, within, you know, they were born within six and a half years of each other, I didn't have the bandwidth to take care of a dog and they were gonna have to get to the age where they could take care of a dog. And so we waited and waited and talked about it until finally the big day came and we got a dog the cutest little puppy you've ever seen. And this was the culmination of all our kids' hopes and dreams. All they ever wanted was this puppy. And so we went, we got the puppy, we brought the puppy home, and they were just wild about him. And the next day, took him to the vet, and the vet said, I'm so sorry, but this puppy has a congenital heart condition, and he's not gonna make it. And I, what? And so he put the films up on the light box and said, look, I'm really sorry, but look, this is the deal, and he's just not going to make it, and you need to know that. You know, what do you want to do? You have some decisions to make. And I thought, yeah, I need to find out where can I get another dog that looks just like this one. <laughs> I thought, what? I can't go back home and tell my kids that. But that's what we did. Went home, and told the kids, great weeping, tears, gnashing of teeth. It was horrible. And I was just laying it out there. You know, Carrie and I told them, hey, I am, you know, we are so sorry, but this is what's gonna happen. And so Stephen said, I'm gonna pray for him. And right then prayed for him to be healed, to heal this puppy's heart. Well, you would think that I thought, Oh, wow, that is so awesome that my child has such faith in God that he's praying. I wish I would have thought that, but I'm gonna be, I told you I'd be honest. This is my honest review. And what I did was, what I really thought was, oh no, he's gonna be so disappointed in God. Everything we've ever told him about God, he's about to find out isn't true because this is going to be, you know, this is just gonna devastate him. This will devastate his faith for life. I thought, oh, what am I gonna do? Well, there's nothing to do. Stephen was already praying for this puppy. And so he prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. And then the next week we went to the vet and the vet said, you know, yep, still hanging in there, but what do you wanna do? We went back home with the dog. Stephen prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. And, you know, here I am thinking, oh, let this be over, God. <laughs> this is just, you know, oh, every day with Stephen praying for this puppy. 
Well, here we are 13 years later. And I walked out the door and said goodbye to that dog this morning as I went out the door. There he is. He's, st he's still here. He's still, he's still doing great. Yeah, and that's a yay, and that's a yay God because you see, it had nothing to do with me. That was, I mean, it was a parent fail. Uh, you know, just being honest, I, at every turn, just thought, oh, no, 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 no. This is, you know, I didn't even, you know, I didn't think that could happen. I really didn't. I thought, oh, I've seen this with my own eyes. This is going to be the end of this story. Now all that's left to do is try to, you know, manage the fallout. But the truth is that, you know, Stephen prayed about it, and he saw God come through. You see, I wanted to protect God's reputation. I wanted to make sure that you know, I, I was there to make God look good, to, to kind of intervene. And it turns out God didn't need me to do that. He was totally capable of doing that on his own. And now I want to say right here that there have been lots and lots of times on things much, much more consequential than that, where we have prayed with all our hearts as individuals in our family and as a family as a whole, and God did not answer the way we wanted him to. He absolutely didn't. And we felt let down. But how much better for a kid to go through that experience with a parent by their side to process it than to go through it alone? You see, I would have if I was writing the story, making that up, I would have wanted all my kids' prayers every time to be answered, or if they weren't gonna be answered the way they prayed, I'd rather them not pray them just so that you know, they wouldn't think God couldn't do it. And now I can see that's crazy. What was I thinking? The truth is that if every time we prayed and God answered what we wanted, then we would be God. The reality is, I don't know what is best. I really don't know. I can see, I can think I know, and there have been situations where I thought, God, I absolutely can't see why this wouldn't be your will. And yet, he answered differently. But this isn't heaven. Now, our hope is in heaven. One day, he will make all sad things untrue. And our kids will be disappointed, whether that happens with us or without us. And so, being willing to walk through that with them is a real gift. So I encourage you to learn from where I've gone wrong and, and just be willing to pray about stuff with your kid and then whatever God, the way God answers, you just go on from there and say, wow, that is so disappointing. I also, th I thought God would do this too. I know your heart hurts and you're disappointed, but God must have something better. And even though we can't see it now, let's watch for it together. Let's look for where God is gonna show up and how this is gonna unfold. Just be aware of that story that you're telling your child about themselves. You're always telling your child a story about themselves. It might be that I always need to rescue you because really you don't have what it takes. That's why I have to keep stepping in. Or it may be that, well, this child is friendly. Like, you're a friendly person. You're friendly. Oh, you are more of a private person. You aren't really good in front of groups. You are this. You are that. And it's so easy for us to drop kids into boxes um, and kind of box them in to thinking that they are one way or another when the truth is that, I mean, I know that I want to believe that the stuff 
that maybe uh, isn't the best in me, that the habits and hang-ups, problems I have, I wanna believe that I can change. I believe that because God tells us that he can do anything through us. And so let's believe the same thing for our kids that we want to be believed about us. Just expect them to mature, expect them to learn, expect them to change. That's what God does for us. He's the perfect parent. And so we can look to him, imitate him, and then just let our kids follow in that path, follow in the wake. Believe that they can change. James 1.5 says, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all. And so if you don't know what to do, and there are plenty of times that will come up if you're a parent, if you really don't know what to do, ask God. It's such a reassurance that we can turn to him and he really will speak to us and guide us. And then we also need to pack more treasure, put more treasure in your life, and to make room for the treasure, we're going to get rid of the trinkets. So pack more treasure, less trinkets. In Romans chapter one, it says, people knew God perfectly well, but when they didn't treat him like God, refusing to worship him, they trivialized themselves into silliness and confusion so that there was neither sense nor direction left in their lives. They pretended to know it all, but were illiterate regarding life. They traded the glory of God who holds the whole world in his hands for cheap figurines you can buy at any roadside stand. I love how the Bible puts that, that the cheap figurines you can buy at any roadside stand. And I just picture, you know, the, the bottle opener that you get at a gas station. You know, just the, the cheap stuff, the stuff that, like, nobody wants this. This is not stuff that has any lasting value. It might just for a second, and then whatever. You just forget about it. Those are the trinkets of life that we want to get rid of, and then we want to put in real treasure. And a big part of the trinkets in today's society, in our everyday lives today, is the stuff that provides us momentary entertainment and distraction. Entertainment, distraction. If I have something going on in my life that isn't comfortable, and there's always something in all of our lives that isn't comfortable, then the easiest thing, the most pleasant thing, is to distract myself from it. And that distraction is usually never more than a, you know, a phone away or a click of the screen. And suddenly, you don't have to really necessarily think about things in your life that are hard. It's a quick entertainment, a quick distraction, but something you don't really care about, you'll throw it away. You'll watch that show and then you'll throw it away. It's not, it's not feeding anything into your life that's treasure. It's just trinkets and distraction, but the trouble is it's easy to let that get way out of hand. It's fine to have some downtime sometimes, but if we always just take in trinkets, there's a problem because you just don't have room to pack all that treasure. And so what I have come to and just seeing, and, and the great thing, let me tell you, the great thing about being a grandparent is not what you've been told. You have been told that the great thing is that you can send them home when you're done with them, <laughs> that you can pack them off. But let me tell you, the really great thing is that you get the long view. You're able to see across the span of some decades and see, oh, you can step back. Like seeing the word Canada across a map that you might miss otherwise, if you're just looking in the little places, you get to step back and say, oh, this is the big picture. 
And so being able to step back like that, I can see that we need to be really careful about letting anyone into our home in pixels that we wouldn't let in in real person, in real life. If you wouldn't welcome them in person, don't let them in in pixels. Because in this increasingly digitized world, this generation of kids has grown up. They are just as likely to do life through a screen as they are face to face. That's just a fact of life. And if you are a parent, almost by definition, you didn't grow up this way. Even if you are in your 20s now and just started a family, you may have had a flip phone when you're in junior high, but nothing like now. And so back in the day, right or wrong, we had this imaginary line we drew that, oh, well, if this happens on television. Now, this is television. That's like fake. But you need to know that in real life, this is, is okay to do. But television is a different story. But what's happened is the line has been blurred, and we still often see a line where one just does not exist anymore. We think that just the size of the screen is going to make a difference in our kids and adolescents or kids being able to understand what this is. And it's just not true. They don't have the capacity to do that. This is all they've ever known. And so they can't make a distinction between a scene on television, oh, partially clothed is okay on television, but if it's in a movie, but if it's on, if it's on a big screen, but if it's on a small screen and it's something called Snapchat, it's not. That is a line that kids cannot be expected to see. There are so many things that we can step back and say, oh yeah, well this is this, this is this. To kids, okay, well that's a real person on this big screen, and this is a real person on this screen. How do you draw the line? And so things are changing, and that's really awkward, because suddenly we have to have all these awkward conversations. And it just, it comes back to being willing to step into the mess at every age, every stage, and say, okay, things are changing. Now let's look at this again together. It's okay to say, you know what? Just because it's always been this way in our family, it's okay to say, you know what? We're gonna change some things. We're gonna try some different things. I don't know how this is gonna end up, but we're gonna try it. Really spending time with your kids walking through that. Otherwise, how are they gonna know how to walk through all the stuff to come? How will they know how to make decisions on their own? Let them be a part of that process that you walk through so that they can get it, so they can actually see this is what you do because guess what? In five years, in 10 years, it's gonna be all different again. Things will keep changing. The important thing isn't that we know exactly how to manage each platform or each show. It's that we teach our kids how to walk through decisions with God at the center. If they have that, they're gonna be fine. Drop them into any generation, you know, 10 years, 20 years from now, 30 years from now, the years when you're not here to guide them, when they leave your home, they'll still be able to navigate those decisions themselves. It's never too late to start. And then what treasure do we wanna put in? One big thing is let your kids, if you are married and you have children, let them see the importance of your marriage. 
Having a good marriage is the best gift you can give your kids. And so it is okay to say, you know what? Sorry, we're not doing anything on Tuesday night because that's the night, you know, that, that mom and dad spend together. That we are, you know, I know you don't want a babysitter. Sorry about that. We're doing it anyway. We are putting a priority on our marriage. It's, oh, let them see you connect and put a priority on it. Let them see you work at your marriage. Otherwise, someday, they will have a relationship of their own, and if it's not easy, they will think it's wrong. And the truth is, and I can say this because Carrie and I have a great marriage, and we work at it all the time. If somebody would have told me that 35 years ago, I'd say, no way. You're kidding me. I mean, come on. What is there left to talk about or new or work through after that long? There's plenty, because life keeps changing. Circumstances keep changing. So, so let your kids see that, and then get them to church. Get your kids to church. We, we spend so much effort, energy, and time getting our kids the right education and pouring into that, doing homework, doing, I mean, running to the store and getting poster board at night, doing all the things to make sure education, because this is important, and it is. Or getting them to all their sporting events, all the practices, making sure they have everything they need. And that's great. But what happens is there's always somebody who will be happy to tell you what your family needs to do. They hand us a schedule and we go, okay, I guess we have to do this. I have to be there. Just be willing to put your own big rocks in first. It's okay to say, this is just what our family does. We go to church on Sunday or Saturday night. Just decide for yourself what your priorities are gonna be. What's confusing for a kid is if you say it's one thing and do another. If you say, this is really important, your spiritual growth, your, your walk with Christ, this is really important. Oh, ball game? Never mind then, you know? I mean, anything that comes along. And I get there are times that things come up in the family. I get it. But just speak clearly to your kids about this is what's important, this is what we do, and then let everything else filter in around that. Uh, just let spiritual growth be a priority in that and be willing to talk about stuff because personal doesn't have to mean private. Just because our, our spiritual walks are personal. Our relationship with God is personal. It's something we do with God. That doesn't mean it has to be private. That doesn't mean that you can never talk about it with each other. We challenge them in school. I'm, you know, I know I did. I, like, I wanted them to you know, know, work hard, and that's a good thing. I challenge them in grades. Which if, you're, if you joined a sport team, do your best. But why not be willing to bring that same conversation into that spiritual area of their lives that we know is so important. To say, hey, what is God teaching you lately? You know, tell me how I can pray for you. It's not a topic that's out of bounds. It will feel awkward, believe me, if you've never done it, but it's not out of bounds. So be willing to step into that and, uh, and just keep reminding them that, you know, that the Lord is the one they need more than they need you. Just keep turning your child to the Lord. I would pray for my kids all the time. I encourage you to pray for them all the time. And I use little things around the house. I would make, as I made their lunches, I would pray for the child that I was making it for. As I was doing laundry, whoever's jeans or socks were in my hand at the moment, I would pray for that child. Just make it an everyday part of your life. Find ways to remember. I would not have prayed for my kids much if I had waited until I remembered to do it. I had to find ways to remind myself to pray for them. And then the last thing is to pack more grace, a whole lot more grace 
and to get rid of judgment. So judgment, no room for that. We're going to get rid of that. In Ephesians, the Bible tells us, let there be no more resentment, no more anger or temper, no more violent self-assertiveness, no more slander, and no more malicious remarks. Be kind to each other. Be understanding. Be as ready to forgive others as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. So the key is forgiveness. Becoming a parent affects all of your relationships. Suddenly, your relationship with your spouse changes. Your relationship with your parents change. Every relationship needs more grace. And the big surprise for me has been that the need for grace actually increases as I get older. That's the exact opposite of what I thought it would be. I thought that, wow, the older I get, the more I'll know, the more experience I'll have, the better I'll do at this. Wrong. Actually, here's what's happened. We have four children, and they now are married, and that means I have eight children. I have eight children now. And I just figured something out not long ago, and that is, you know, my whole life I thought, oh, okay, the stereotype of mother-in-laws and of stepmothers. If if a mother-in-law or a stepmother shows up in a movie, you know they're bad. I mean, they're a stepmother or they're a mother-in-law. They have to be horrible. I thought, well, what is it? Do people just, if they get remarried, do they always choose horrible people? What is this? Where does this come from? And then I became a mother-in-law four times. And I have the greatest kids in my life now. These new four, I'm crazy about them. I couldn't love them more if I had given birth to them. Every one of them. But that doesn't mean that it's easy. The reason mother-in-laws have a bad rap, bad name, is because it's hard. It's hard. And once you face that, actually, it turns out it's okay. And here's the hard part. It has nothing to do with the person you're relating to. Nothing. What it is is that you are trying to go from zero when you didn't know this person at all. You're trying to go from zero miles an hour to 120 instantly. You're trying to go from not knowing this person to we are family. We are the closest relationship. We are family now. And you just don't have the history yet. And that's what makes it hard. You see, your own kids... They have, through 18 years, they've seen you in thousands of situations, and hopefully you've put enough good ones in there that when the bad ones show up, and they will, you know, when I mess up, when I make mistakes, then they are able to see that in the light of, yeah, but also there's other stuff. It's really hard with an adult, another adult, to navigate that and to figure that out. But it's so worth it. It's just so worth it. And what that requires then is just loads and loads and loads and loads of grace. Grace, grace, grace. I've, had, I've, I've looked in the eyes of each of my daughter-in-laws and my son-in-law and said, you know, close to the beginning of their marriage, when they first got married, and said, listen, I am going to blow this. I am going to make mistakes. I am going to say the wrong thing. I'm going to do the wrong thing. I'm going to hurt your feelings, and I am so sorry. And right now, if I could not do that, if I could, you know, bind my tongue, I would. I want you to know how much you're loved. I want you to know how 
totally accepted you are, but I'm going to mess up. And so here's the grace I'm asking for. Tell me, tell me when I mess up. Just say it, just tell me. I want to know. And so, and, and, and they've been wonderful. They are awesome. And they're so grace giving. But I encourage you to speak into, to invite those people in your life, whether it's your mother-in-law or a son or daughter-in-law, whether it's a stepmother, and I have a stepmother, whether it's a stepmother or a stepchild, be willing to speak into that relationship and just say, you know what? Here's the, we don't know each other as well as I wish we did. And so, but I want to. And so let's be extra, extra honest. Let's give so much grace in that. You see, motherhood is a permanent condition, and we have to be willing to relearn what that looks like at every stage of life. It looks different. The roles change, but the heart of a mother doesn't. And I want you to know, you can, you can do this thing. Let's look at this last verse. Therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we're wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what's seen, but what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Let's pray. God, you're so good to us. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for showing us what it's like to have a loving father. Help us to imitate you. Help us to be grace givers. As we leave this place, help us to see in others what you see in them. And that is the ability to change, the power to change. Father, let us rest in knowing that all you ask of us is for us to turn our hearts toward you, to love you. Help us to keep growing in maturity day by day by day. Keep making us more like you. Help us, Father, show us how to train our children and the next generation up. What an honor and joy it is to be part of your family, your forever family, Lord Jesus. We love you. In your name we pray, amen. We're gonna stand for a closing song, and it is a good one. It's 10,000 reasons. You know, 10,000 would just be, if we listed the 10,000 reasons we have to praise Jesus, we would just be at the very start he has done so much for us and he wants to do so much more. So let's worship him together. Happy Mother's Day, everybody. Have an awesome day. Go give grace to everybody you meet in the measure that you need it yourself. We love you guys. We'll see you next week. Hey church, thanks for listening to the Woodlands Church with Carrie Shook podcast. By listening, we hope that you're encouraged wherever you are. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast so that you can get the latest messages each week. For more information on Woodlands Church, check out the description for a link to our website and how to connect with us. We hope you have a great week.